I'm Kelsey Ryder. I'm Natalia Raymond. And this is Angelinos in Training, a podcast for people curious about Los Angeles by people who live in Los Angeles. So whether you're moving here, new to the area, or just want to better understand LA, we're here to help you navigate the city of angels. Hello, and welcome back to Angelinos in Training. This episode, we're going to focus on nutrition. We already did a food episode, but we decided that we wanted to do an episode more focused on uh, LA's programs for um, people who are in need of food and also uh, some nutrition trends that are popular in Los Angeles. Yeah, so much of the culture of LA, I feel like, is influenced by either quote-unquote healthy eating or diet trends get really popular with different, you know, stars. Mm -hmm. But I do think it is, like you said, like critically important to recognize that nutritious food can be really, really expensive and especially in LA and really hard to access here too. Yeah. And of course, with this being the beginning of a new year, 2021, you know, a lot of people are hoping it'll be a better year than 2020. Oh God, please. Nutrition becomes a popular topic at the start of any year, it seems like. So we figured that we would devote an entire episode to it. Yeah. We're going to be addressing a whole bunch of issues. And some of the issues that we'll be addressing um, are related to food insecurity and food deserts in Los Angeles. They're very serious issues. And of course, you know, Some of those issues are a little bit sad. We bring up some harsh realities. We're going to be getting gradually a little happier with the topic. So we're going (laughs) to be talking about um, some of these issues with food deserts and food insecurities. Then we're going to move into uh, some of the ways that uh, the city and organizations within the city are working to help food insecurity. And after that, we're going to get into some nutrition trends in Los Angeles. So we're covering a whole bunch of topics today. So, of course, here in Los Angeles, um, with having such an influence of celebrity culture, there have been a lot of diet trends. And, you know, some of those trends can claim nutrition, but, you know, they could be doing harm. I mean, I don't know what's in flat mm-hmm. tummy tea. Well, nothing good. I mean, Well, that's not true. I don't know exactly. But I do know that it's basically just a diuretic. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just meant for you to lose bloating and water weight which can be super, super dangerous and dehydrating. And we're already so dehydrated in L.A. Like, don't make it worse. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, it's, it's been really dry even lately right now in uh, oh my January gosh. of 2021. I don't think I need to dry out anymore. No, it's 84 degrees today. I'm so mad about it. <laughs> hey, it shouldn't be this Kelsey, hot. <laughs> it's another day of sun. Are you just going to constantly mock me with my love of La La Land? (laughs) Hey, La La Land is a beautiful movie, but uh, yes, yes, I'm going to continue to mock you. (laughs) Back on the subject of nutrition, um, eating nutritious foods can be very expensive. Uh, I think everybody knows whole foods equals whole paycheck. And um, especially (laughs) right now during the pandemic, having nutritious food, it can be something that's hard to access in certain parts of the city. So we wanted to make sure that we properly acknowledge the areas in LA where it's hard to access nutritious foods and some of the ways that people can use resources to um, try to overcome any of the uh, food or nutrition deficiencies that they may have. 
So ready to dive into it, Kelsey? Let's dive into it. All right. So um, one uh, phenomenon that's been widespread throughout the U.S. and I'm sure uh, many other areas of the world are these things called food deserts. Had, mm-hmm. had you heard of food deserts before we started working on this episode, Kelsey? Yeah, I had. And I think I remember hearing about it before I moved to Los Angeles. So at least six, but I feel like maybe eight years ago, mm-hmm. there was um, either a like This American Life episode or there was like a, a documentary, like a mini documentary talking about food deserts in New York City, mm-hmm. I feel like is where it was uh, kind of first popular popularized as far as like really urban village areas that just don't have a lot of grocery stores Mm -hmm. and hadn't really considered it because I had always lived in suburbia. So it was really interesting to learn about. Yeah. And in suburbia, you know, a lot of people are used to having a a selection of grocery stores. I mean, I remember when I lived in Orange County, my mom would love to go to a bunch of grocery stores. She'd go to Trader Joe's, she'd go to Smart and Final, Mm -hmm. she'd go to Ralph's. But um, Mm -hmm. in Los Angeles, uh, there's a lot of areas where they might not have access to a grocery store that's nearby or a grocery store that's affordable. Now, just just for any listeners who maybe aren't familiar with the term food desert, I should probably define it, <laughs> don't you think? Yeah, I mean, yeah. it'd be helpful just to get a basic, yeah. Yeah, definition. so the official definition of a food desert is a geographical area in which residents lack access to affordable, healthy foods. So mm-hmm. um, they can be in a really densely populated area of a big city. They can also be in a very rural area. There's actually yeah. um, quite a few uh, food deserts in rural areas, especially in middle America. And I was so shocked, actually, when I started doing some research online on how many areas of Los Angeles are considered food deserts. It's really way more than I could have imagined. Yeah, I hadn't really considered Los Angeles being very much of a food desert type of area just Mm -hmm. because I live in an area of Los Angeles that I can walk to a grocery store very easily. I mean, I could probably walk to a couple Mm -hmm. and there's restaurants and all sorts of uh, different areas around that I have access to like fresh, healthy foods Mm -hmm. like vegetables and fruits and that kind of thing. Yeah. For urban areas, um, the official definition of a food desert means the majority of the population of that zone lives over one mile away from an affordable grocery store. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, and that's that's far in Los Angeles mm-hmm. too. Yeah, especially when you consider no one walks in LA. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody walks in LA. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, um. Uh, One reason that that's a big deal is because, you know, often a lot of us when we're going to a grocery store, we we have a pretty big haul. You know, we're taking a lot Mm -hmm. of stuff with us. And if this affordable grocery store is more than a mile away, are you really going to carry a big haul of groceries that far if you're No, I don't want to – I don't want to carry it like – four or five blocks like that mm-hmm. <laughs> alone, much less a mile. So yeah, yeah, I I remember even me, I live in an area that's definitely not a food desert. There are tons of grocery stores. I live one block away from Smart and Final. I had a time about a year and a half ago that I went to that Smart and Final 
to buy alcohol for my birthday party. And I bought Mm -hmm. all the alcohol for my birthday party while I was there and carried it home. And it was like the heaviest (laughs) thing ever. And I, I was like, okay, I did my workout for the day. But if you're someone who has to go further than that and you're relying on, you know, your own two arms to carry everything, it's of course you're not going to go there and buy a big haul of healthy foods. It's it's just impossible. And right. especially consider if you're someone who uh, is older, has arthritis, has to carry a baby. Like there's just so yeah. many different situations where you're not going to be able to carry your food that far. Right. And if it's a food desert that's not even in Los Angeles, like weather-wise, you mm-hmm. know, like in the Northwest, I remember – trying to decide if I was going to walk to the grocery store, if it was going to pour down rain on me and like Mm -hmm. ruin my food, you know? So like there's so many elements that can be involved when it comes to food deserts and how far away you are to like actually grocery shop. Yeah. Not to mention with a lot of um, fresh things that you might be buying at the grocery store, like say eggs, chicken, things like that. A lot of healthy Mm -hmm. proteins that might not keep the entire trip home after that. Oh yeah. It could spoil. Of course, you're not going to want to haul it that entire way. And so... Because now you've got a cooler and like... (laughs) Yeah. So that that can just make things really difficult. But what's interesting is another form of food desert that can exist in urban areas is when a grocery store is present in a low-income community, but um, unemployment or low-wage jobs or other factors make those stores unaffordable to the people that live there. So, you know, I haven't heard that you can be in this like really dense urban area that has, uh, say, a Whole Foods. They're trying to gentrify the neighborhood, but the people there can't afford Whole Foods whole paycheck. Yeah. (laughs) What are they going to do? Bezos grocery. (laughs) What are they going to do? Spend all of their money on like one head of lettuce? Of course, right. they're not or- going organic. To. Yeah. <laughs> so that just no. there. I was I was so amazed when I was doing research on this because it's it's really a lot more present in Los Angeles than a lot of people realize. There's areas of South LA, East LA, uh, the San Fernando Valley, the San Gabriel mm-hmm. Valley. The, there's so many more than you would think, and often. These food desert areas are in uh, places where not as many residents have vehicles, so they can't go to, you know, surrounding communities. And people are just Mm -hmm. kind of stuck there, relying on what's actually there in the community. That's so fascinating to me to think about something like Whole Foods and gentrification just contributing to food deserts, because Mm -hmm. then these residents who have lived in this neighborhood for who knows how long, like, can't even afford the fresh groceries that are there for them. So now they have to travel farther. I Mm -hmm. hadn't considered that, but that's a really good point, because I know a Whole Foods not super far from me that is in a neighborhood that I'm kind of like why is there a Whole Foods here? Mm-hmm. This doesn't seem like They're the probably same... trying to develop the neighborhood. Right, yeah. They're mm-hmm. trying to attract the Whole Foods shoppers mm-hmm. into moving into that area. So there's gentrification for you. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's yeah. depressing. But then, <laughs> meanwhile, if if you're in this low-income community and you have your Whole Foods there, but you can't afford Whole Foods whole paycheck, where are you going to go? Yeah, you have to travel somewhere else. 
either traveling somewhere else to get your fresh groceries or you go to what's already there in the community, which a lot of time is going to be fast food or convenience stores. You know, if if McDonald's is on your street corner, but the only grocery store around is Whole Foods and you can't afford Whole Foods, where are you going to go? Dollar menu McDonald's. Yeah. 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 I did that actually in college. Mm -hmm. I have like a really specific example. I remember because I wouldn't think of Bellingham, Washington having food deserts, Mm -hmm. but the closest grocery store to our university campus was something called Hagen, Mm -hmm. which was very much kind of like an independent Northwest Whole Foods kind of place. And then when they opened up a Wendy's at the bottom of the hill, I was like, okay, I can't make a hamburger with food from Hagen's as mm-hmm. cheap as I can get, like, a dollar junior bacon cheeseburger. And I've got tomato and lettuce on there, so that counts, right? Right? <laughs> like, It's a vegetable. It's a vegetable, and it's it's within my uh, budget as a college student. But then, of course, that, you know, of course I'm getting French fries and a soda, too, like, because mm-hmm. that just comes with the meal deal. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I'm very privileged, but I have, like, I do remember going through that in my life. And and a lot of the time, you know, when when money is limited, you're trying to get the most bang for your buck. Yeah. And especially if you're busy, if you're working multiple jobs, you're going to want things to be quick. It can take a lot of time to make a nutritious meal. I'm I'm sure oh, yeah. that you've experienced that, too, because I, <laughs> I know that I when I'm trying to eat healthier, I feel like I'm spending so, so much time making meals every day. But, you know, yeah. if you have multiple children and you're working a lot of jobs, that's not going to be top of your priority list sometimes. Like you can't hold that against people. Like people are just trying to survive. You Mm -hmm. know, I think there's a lot of people like to politicize a lot of things and blame people for a lot of the situations that they're in without kind of looking at a outside view. You know, for us, it could have been more like we're trying to make it to rehearsal in Uh between our gig economy jobs and trying to make rent at the same time. Like, yeah, getting a Wendy's hamburger is just like in in my brain, you know, have you ever done that justification or maybe you did when you were younger where you're like, well, you know what? I do feel like Wendy's is at least a little healthier than McDonald's. Uh-huh. At least I'm not eating at McDonald's. Like you justify yes. <laughs> like the healthier choice. At least I can get a, a salad on the dollar menu at, mm-hmm. at Wendy's or something. But it's but you don't because why yeah. would you? It's Wendy's. You're getting their fries. Uh-huh. I, I completely agree with you. Like there's so many scenarios and like points in life, whether you have children or you're maybe taking care of like elderly parents or, you know, you're just trying to get things done and you may not make a priority on yourself, you know, or you just don't have a choice. The sad thing is when when we're in these situations, in these food deserts, when the residents, you know, don't have access to to healthier foods, of course, that's going to mean more people in the community are feeling the diet-related health issues. Yeah. Yeah, it's just creating a strain on that entire neighborhood Mm -hmm. or wherever it's localized. Yes. And so, of course, you know, that could mean uh, more people could be developing heart disease, diabetes, Mm -hmm. hypertension, you know, any of these conditions – but then when you consider that in a lot of these communities, that's also where healthcare isn't as good yeah. as in other areas yeah. of the city. And so, you know, that just it creates so much strain on the communities and on the families. And 
I mean, that's that's really part of why there's there's this cycle of poverty in some neighborhoods because yeah. you know the the community doesn't have these resources to allow people to be healthy, and then it just it continues to cycle for generations. It's it's really very sad. Yeah. It's hard to break out of that. And, you know, we're not doctors and we're not like, you know, we're (laughs) anthropologists. I don't think that's the right one. (laughs) Sociologists, I guess, maybe. But it's yeah, it's just stuff that we've we've researched and we've seen and lower stakes have experienced ourselves like just throughout life. It's I think it's really important to talk about it and recognize it, especially in a city like Los Angeles, where we wouldn't Mm -hmm. necessarily notice it on our own. Yeah. And also, too, you have to consider that many of these communities that have experienced uh, being a food desert are also some of the communities that have been the hardest hit by COVID-19. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you hear things on the news where a lot of people are like, increasing your vitamin D might give you a better fighting chance. Well, it's Mm -hmm. like, okay, somebody's just trying to get tomatoes, Mm -hmm. you know? When you also consider, too, that many of these underlying conditions, these pre-existing conditions that can put people at higher risk for Mm -hmm. experiencing a worse bout with COVID-19, many of those could be diet related. Yeah. Like like heart disease or like diabetes and so that means some of these angelinos who have been living in these food desert areas who haven't had access to a healthy diet, some of those people are the ones that are the hardest hit by COVID-19. Yeah. It's just it's a really vicious cycle and there needs to be more resources to mm-hmm. help these communities. Mm-hmm. For sure. I saw this this really interesting study recently that was on people Mm -hmm. uh, living in Los Angeles County who are experiencing homelessness. Yeah. They actually reported that many of the people in homeless shelters, many of them were actually overweight or obese. The study showed that 80% of the sample overweight or obese. And they also reported uh, women who they surveyed were consuming less than the recommended level for fruits, vegetables, and milk food groups. Oh, man. Because, of course, you know, if you're someone who who is experiencing homelessness and you get a tiny amount of money for whatever reason, of course you're going to try to get the most bang for your buck. And, of course, you're, yeah. you probably don't have any way to cook any of this fresh food. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you just have to, like, if it's safe to eat it raw, you just have to – do mm-hmm. that or you may be finding food outside of restaurants and dumpsters or grocery stores mm-hmm. and just relying on what's there and it may not be safe to consume but if it's the only thing that you have the only option that you have it makes it really challenging to try to mm-hmm. get anything that is fresh because that's usually probably one of the first things you would be suspect about consuming and of course you know some people if they if they're looking at a piece of produce at the grocery store and they think, oh, that doesn't really look clean. And you see something in a package, you know, that's going to be clean. You know, Mm -hmm. it just sometimes can feel like the safer choice. Yeah, especially at the beginning of the pandemic, like when we had no idea how exactly it was spread. And I remember being like, well, I guess I'm just not getting fresh produce. We're eating canned foods right Mm -hmm. now because it's all sealed. Yeah. And that's all I know. So, you know. Mm hmm. 
I still have some of that canned food left over. <laughs> yeah, I remember when when all the grocery store shelves were just getting cleared, especially like the pasta bean rice aisle. Yes, all the like pantry, you know. Um, the pantry staples. There was just a time where we couldn't even get certain foods mm-hmm. like within this pandemic, even for us living in areas where it's not a food desert, like mm-hmm. there was no chicken for like two weeks. And I, my husband and I have had mild food poisoning from any fresh chicken we've bought during the pandemic and we've cooked it same day and Mm -hmm. it was all supposed to be good but because it's taking longer to get from the farm to the grocery Mm -hmm. stock and then from my instacart person's hands to me you know it's just like we literally do not trust chicken right now like Mm -hmm. i haven't had chicken not from a restaurant like from takeout since i think july which is weird because i used to cook chicken breast all the time Mm -hmm. but because of those two incidences so i feel like that could even be happening to other people in our community too like if they had a bad experience with a certain food during the Mm -hmm. pandemic they might just be like okay well i'm not eating that food even though it's technically good for me and i'm sure that it's even worse in in some of these more food desert type communities too oh yeah it has to be it has to be and you know what also doesn't help is um a large number of stores that have had um high uh case numbers of covid19 amongst the employees have been grocery stores Yeah. And so that's that's even more of a reason for people to avoid grocery stores right now, which just exacerbates the the food desert issue in some areas of the city. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't know anybody personally. I have heard of people like just basically ordering takeout and living off of leftovers mm-hmm. because they don't want to enter a grocery store and all these essential workers are being put at risk in this cycle and it's part of that cycle we were talking about where it's like you know they have to work in order to keep their place because we don't have enough government protections right now to Mm -hmm. keep from getting evicted and yeah yeah it's so hard the la times put out a really wonderful video a while back Mm -hmm. about the subject of food deserts in los angeles and the way they've been affected by COVID-19. And I would love to share um, a couple of their facts from their video. Yeah, absolutely. So um, one was the LA Times reported that in South LA, there are 119 liquor stores and 91 grocery stores. Wow. So of course, you know, with liquor stores being more common, of course, you're going to go there instead so it's just yeah. it's baffling you're you're prob it's probably easier to find a, a soda or a a tall can of bud light than it is to find an apple that's yeah that's that's depressing <laughs> i don't know yeah. how else to describe it but it's just like why mm-hmm. why is it that way <laughs> and then the la times also reported that um black and latino people have been four times as likely to be hospitalized with, with COVID-19. COVID-19. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which um, I'm sure since uh, some some Angelinos in those demographics uh, do live in some of these food desert areas, I'm, I'm sure that has to be a factor. Oh, yeah. It has to contribute, you know, probably not even in a small way. And this is the one that just broke my heart. So after the 1992 riots, 
Residents mm-hmm. of South LA made a list of things that they requested to rebuild their community to help things get better. And one of the top choices that they requested was more grocery stores. And to this day, that has still been unfulfilled. That was almost 30 years ago. That's disgusting. It is. I know, like, in the head of the people who are making these decisions for the grocery stores, they don't want to put them in these areas because they're afraid of whatever they're afraid of. Like, I mean, I'm sure they have a lot of really gross justifications for not doing that. And so it's just a a cycle of poverty and lack of nutrition that Mm -hmm. just continues because those places would bring jobs to the area too it helps the community in more ways than having access to fresh foods Mm -hmm. there's so many things that can be created with it now we wanted to get our our sort of sadder topic out of the way first we (laughs) promise things will be getting happier as they go along yes yes We've addressed that there are areas of Los Angeles where nutritious food is scarce, uh, but we do want to highlight um, some programs and resources uh, for um, helping people uh, get food who maybe aren't able to find it or afford it. There is hope. There There are things happening to help people. People are aware and working really hard to try to assist those that do need access to fresh food. I mean, it's it's a massive undertaking, but these are some programs that that we found were mm-hmm. really worth talking about. Yeah. One that I particularly wanted to talk about is, um, I don't know if you actually know this about me, Kelsey, but for a little while, I was working as a substitute teacher for LAUSD. Did I ever talk to you about that? Yeah, you did. You know, what's funny is you were in the middle of studying for the test the mm-hmm. second time that we met each other. Oh, like yeah. we had we had met at one gig and at the second gig, you told me like, yeah, this is what I'm doing right now. I'm studying to be a substitute teacher. Mm-hmm. I was like, really? How does that work? Yeah, you should talk about your experience there. Yeah. So one thing that LAUSD has considered a priority for a long time is providing a free or reduced price food for their students that need it. They have this program that they've been doing for quite a while that they call Breakfast in the Classroom or BIC, Mm -hmm. which is where Mm -hmm. they provide breakfast for all of the students. It's typically eaten during the student's first period. And at many Mm -hmm. of the schools where I was a sub, um, one kid from each class would actually go to the cafeteria and bring the food for everyone. Oh, everybody would be eating. I I even tried eating the food a couple of times. Um, they also have another program that they do called Cafe LA that includes um free and reduced price lunches as well as um foods for some of their after school programs, things like that. I do not want to criticize LAUSD. I'm mm-hmm. going to choose my words very very carefully right now. While I very much applaud them for their free food programs. I will say I was not impressed with the food choices when I was working for them. I was going to ask you, like, how was the quality of the food of the times that you tried it? Granted, I haven't worked for them for about four years. Yeah. So they, it's very likely that they've changed what food they're providing. But um, the food that they were giving the children when I was working for them I don't think could be described as nutritious. Um, Some of the examples of the foods that I remember them serving for breakfast 
or I remember mm-hmm. personal pizzas. I remember oh. uh, bean burritos. Okay. I also remember crumb cakes. And all of these things were the California school lunch type of thing where they came in a package. That's so weird. If you know what I mean. Yeah. I remember one day the breakfast even came with a um, a popsicle. What? I'm guessing to like be a, a fruit juice. Oh, my God. Yeah, um, I'm sure. I, I remember not being particularly impressed with them. And I remember yeah. trying the food a couple of times and thinking that uh, it was obviously very inexpensive. Yeah. And I remember looking at the nutrition facts and seeing that it was not particularly nutritious. However, that being said, this is a very, very large school district who is providing free food to a very, very large number of students. And there's a large number of students who would not be fed otherwise. So I very much applaud LAUSD. Uh, for all the work that they right. do with this program. But I do want to acknowledge that it's not like everybody is getting like pancakes and eggs and bacon or an acai bowl mm-hmm. or anything like that. It's <laughs> it's budget food. No. It definitely is, or at least was when I worked for them. Um, mm-hmm. However, I don't want kids to go hungry. No. I would rather have kids eat that than, you know, go hungry, of course. Yeah. I mean, I it's really interesting to hear about this. This was typically were you substituting mostly in like upper classrooms? I was. Like in I high was school? in middle school and high school. Okay. So from my experience when I worked for um several summers as a parks and recreation leader in my home of Vancouver, Washington for the city of Vancouver. And we had a program like that too. uh, make sure that any kid who showed up for a meal like at our lunchtime and still wasn't participating in the day camp program was allowed to have food. Mm -hmm. And so we had to make sure there was enough. We always had like, I think, 10 extra meals. And so if no, we had to wait, I think, 15 minutes. It was all very government regulated and see if any kids showed up and if nobody did and some kids at our program wanted seconds, they could have seconds. And their the food was like fine. It wasn't it wasn't as bad as what you're describing, like as unhealthy in my eyes. Like they I feel like though mostly the only vegetables they ever ever got were like those little packets of baby carrots, which mm-hmm. is it's fine. That's that's fresh vegetables, but most of the main course was kind of like hot dogs with liquid cheese inside or burritos or things like that. So the main meal was always something that, yeah, definitely has cheaper ingredients, easy to be mass produced and can be served really, really quickly and easily. But to in elementary school, I remember the breakfast programs at my school, there were things like pancakes and sausage and fresh fruit and that kind of thing. So that's that's a bummer because I thought that there were more government programs including that as part of it. Well, you do have to consider also LAUSD is one of the biggest school districts in the country. Yeah, it's just gigantic. Like so many people have citrus trees and you just see them overgrown with like oranges or lemons or limes or whatever it is. There are some like food banks that will come and just like take your fruit if you're not going to eat all of it because no one human is going to eat everything that like a giant orange tree Mm -hmm. produces every season. 
So I wish that could be incorporated into the schools too, if it's if it hasn't already. But like you said, it's been several years since yeah. you've been there. Now, one thing LAUSD um, has been doing during the COVID nineteen pandemic that I do greatly applaud them for is they started doing their free food grab and go food centers. And oh, good. currently, uh, those are open Monday through Friday in the morning, starting at seven a.m. And when That's you go, awesome. two meals are provided per person. So I believe it's a, a breakfast and a lunch. And um, they have centers all throughout the LA area. So um, people That's can great. look them up online. And uh, students who have any kind of food insecurity can go over there and uh, get their meals. And So it's specifically for students enrolled in LA USD? I believe or? at the moment it's just for students, but they okay. were extremely generous at the start of the pandemic. And at the start of the pandemic, they were giving food to people who didn't even have children enrolled in the schools. Everyone could go. Oh, wow. And so wow. Um, that was a really good resource. And actually, mm-hmm. uh, right before Thanksgiving, they did a big mass food giveaway where they gave five days worth of food to everyone oh, wow. who came by. They reported that they served 1.5 million meals for Thanksgiving. Oh my gosh. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and apparently uh, one of the meals that they served for that was like an actual Thanksgiving dinner. I don't oh. know how good it was, but I, from yeah. the reports that I saw from LAUSD's Grab and Go Food Centers, they... We're hoping that the intention with that would be that people who wouldn't be able to have a Thanksgiving dinner otherwise could, you right. know, have a meal together as a family. Yeah, that's amazing. That's really awesome. Because I can't imagine how many parents have lost their jobs, too, of like course. during this pandemic, you know? Yeah. Of course, even aside from LAUSD, there are also some other places in L.A. Uh, that are places to go for free meals or um, food pantries, those types of things. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, the county of Los Angeles has some really, really good um, online resources for anyone who oh, really? uh, has food insecurity. Yeah, it's really great. The A big <laughs> issue I have with that, though, is that, um, of course, you know, if someone doesn't have access to the Internet, they're not going mm-hmm. to be able to see those. And um, yeah. one thing that I considered also was many who – are food insecure, most likely used libraries for free internet. But, uh, yeah. you know, now you can't go to the library. No, that, yeah, that's really sucky. Although I did find mm. out from uh, from the LA County website, you can find Wi-Fi hotspots near you by dialing oh. 211. Oh, that's so weird. Or... <laughs> <laughs> or by going to findwifi.lacounty.gov. Although, if you don't have internet, how would right. you be able to do that? Well, I guess your you data. You use data, yeah. data on your phone, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it is really funny to think about somebody dialing 211 to find Wi-Fi. We've entered this odd rift in the time continuum where we're in the 90s but also in the 2000s of in between internet and dial-up phones like i'm picturing a rotary phone like 211 where do i find the internet please now once you have your internet um one resource from the city 
and county that I found really, really um, that looked like it would be really helpful is called the two one one food finder. And so oh, um, nice. you can find that by su- searching two one one food finder or by going to foodfinder.211la.org. That website is actually a map to search for meals and food pantries all in your area. Oh, that's great. Mm -hmm. That's an awesome resource. That's one thing I will give LA a lot of credit is that it recognizes that there's a lot of issues within the community that need more help and assistance, and they do try really hard to make it as easy as possible to get information mm-hmm. within how people are used to consuming it, like the internet or yeah. having a map where you can find something. So I appreciate that very much about Los Angeles. Yeah. And one thing that's also really cool is a lot of people get grocery assistance through um, CalFresh and EBT. And Mm -hmm. if you search the farmer's market finder by the ecology center, if you Google that, it allows you to search for farmer's markets that accept CalFresh. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's awesome. So you can use your CalFresh benefits to um, buy products from the farmer's markets. I bet a lot of people don't know about it. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't consider that. I know I always get a little bummed out when I see like accepts EBT at like, you know, 7-Eleven or mm-hmm. drive through And not because I don't think people don't deserve to consume food how they choose they want to. But like, I feel like sometimes people might think, well, this is because they're advertising it. This might be the only place that my card or my credit works at, mm-hmm. you know. So it's helpful to know that you could go to a farmer's market and get fresh foods that way. Yeah. And also, if um, anyone listening is a senior who has any kind of food insecurity, the County of Mm -hmm. Los Angeles has a number for seniors to request delivery meals. Oh, that's great. And that is 800-510-2020. Okay. That's awesome. So almost kind of like a Meals on Wheels, but Mm -hmm. through the county kind of situation. That's great. One food bank that I have personal experience with is the North Hollywood Interfaith Food Pantry. It's run by the First Christian Church of North Hollywood. I do think that the interfaith part means that they have other other churches of different faiths also involved in keeping the pantry stock. The church is on Moore Park and Colfax in the San Fernando Valley, and they have a separate building that's just the food pantry. And I've donated food there before when they needed to have more cereal, so they were having a cereal drive. And on Mondays and Fridays, from 9 to 1, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m., they will give out food packets to anybody who needs it, like no Mm -hmm. questions asked, no judgment. They're really, really cool people there. want to enter on the Troost Street side. One thing that I really like about this church, back when I was kind of exploring my faith and trying to decide if I wanted to attend church in LA or not, this was my favorite church that I went to. They're very left of center is how they described Mm -hmm. it to me. I asked this female pastor, I was like, so are you accepting of homosexuals and, you know, the LGBTQ community? And she was like, oh, yeah, we were like one of the first churches to do that within the denominations. Like, we're very left of center. Mm -hmm. And so I really, really love 
this church. And, you know, just for funsies, it's featured in a ton of movies and TV shows. If you're a fan of The Office, Phyllis got married at this church. So there's a lot of (laughs) scenes you would recognize uh, from it. It's kind of like a placeholder for any New Englandy type church or like Midwesty. It can play a lot of different churches. It's a really, really diverse church that's castable. Anyway, but the the Interfaith Food Pantry, yeah, I, I highly recommend that if you are in need of food assistance, check them out because they're awesome over there. That's great. And of course, there's lots and lots of different resources all over the LA area. So oh, yeah. fire up that Google and uh, fire it up if you <laughs> if you need to find any resources for um, helping out with getting some food. Or fire up that that DuckDuckGo, which is my favorite won't log my information search engine. Ah. So I would love to uh, switch gears to talk a little bit about some nutrition trends that we've seen in Los Angeles. So, uh, Kelsey, which trends have you uh, tended to see in L.A.? Oh, man, there's so many. And I I feel like there's a lot of stereotypes uh, depending on who you talk to and what kind of community they're a part of in Los Angeles. But overall, there's a lot of popularity around just holistic nutrition in general. Mm -hmm. But what can be considered nutritious can range everywhere from being totally vegan or gluten-free or soy-free or paleo or cold-pressed juices to like there's just so many diets and different ways that people subscribe to nutrition Mm -hmm. so i think it not not to be punny about it but obviously take it with a grain of salt and you know maybe like a grain of sea salt (laughs) because that's just healthier I've definitely encountered every single one of these from people being like one friend who's been in L.A. for, well, probably like 14, 15 years at this point was like, I don't think the gluten free thing is a thing. People are making it up. And I was like, well, no, I do have friends who are celiac, like they Mm -hmm. genuinely can't consume it without hurting themselves. And she was like, no, I know. But like everybody else is being ridiculous. And I was like, "I I don't discount you there. Like. My philosophy is do what feels good for you, but don't just jump on any sort of bandwagon without consulting a doctor. Like mm-hmm. you need to know what's actually healthy and and good for you. And I've done I've done different things where I've had to do elimination diets where I'm actually eliminating a certain food group to try to see if it if I feel better, if I'm less bloated or I have less chronic pain or joint stiffness or whatever. And a lot of the times I usually just end up really hungry because I feel restricted. As far as these, I'm like lightly soy free. I'm lactose intolerant. So I I do some, I've gotten more into alternative milks lately because I found one I really like. It's called Oatly and it's an oat milk. And I've tried a bunch, but I don't know if you're on the alternative milk train or not do you are you against a dairy natalia or are you wouldn't say i'm necessarily against dairy but i don't eat a ton of dairy i don't really buy yogurt i don't buy regular milk i do keep butter Mm -hmm. in my fridge and i do like cheese but i feel like it is very popular to not eat dairy in los angeles it's very popular and i it's one thing i will give credit to LA is that because there's so many trends and everybody's trying to figure out how to get the hot body like Mm -hmm. Jennifer Aniston and what is she eating? What is she not eating? 
we have a lot of food products that accommodate people who actually have allergies. So I've found Mm -hmm. more recently to even more dairy-free options. Mm -hmm. I take lactase enzymes to process dairy and everything. Like, I'm going to be perfectly honest. I have half of a bagel with cream cheese, like, pretty much every morning. That's been my quarantine breakfast. And I am brings me joy and I love it and my enzymes help me. But for like straight up milk, I'll do lactose free milk sometimes. But like I said, I've gotten more into the oat milk. But one thing that's also been very trendy recently that I've noticed is intermittent fasting. Yeah, that scares me. I feel like that can be really dangerous to your metabolism. Some people swear by it, though. No, and I know they do. But like, that is something that you definitely should consult a doctor before you Mm -hmm. just start doing that. Because I know Jimmy Kimmel does it. And that's how he lost all his weight. I've heard him talk about it on podcasts. But that would absolutely destroy me. I can't do that, especially with my health conditions. I've never been vegan or vegetarian for longer than like a month Mm -hmm. and it was more kind of I feel like a rebellious phase against my parents because I grew up very meat and potatoes Mm -hmm. because my dad actually has allergies to milk and eggs Mm -hmm. so in the 90s there really wasn't a whole lot have you tried any of these things specifically I was a vegan for about a year and a half in college. Oh, really? I didn't know that. And the thing that actually stopped me from doing it was when I went to study abroad in England because it was too hard. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I bet it would super be super hard to do that overseas. But I'm I'm not a hype person. I don't like to follow trends, really. <laughs> so I'm not going to follow any of these things. No. I've done gluten-free eliminations, which just – like, gluten doesn't bother me. Like, I can tell. Like, I kind of have – more intuition about my body, maybe because I've had to with all my health conditions. So I know gluten's never bothered me. I've seen nutritionists in Portland and in like Bellingham and Vancouver, mm-hmm. like all up and down I-5 or the five mm-hmm. that have been like, well, no, you just really need to get rid of gluten completely. And I've just like, I, I'm not going to do that anymore. I tried mm-hmm. it. I don't. I've had the blood test. I'm not celiac. I've never had any symptoms. So I, I, I think Whole30, I, I haven't done it, but I've had a lot of friends who have, and I have a Whole30 cookbook. I feel like that could be a way healthier way of going about seeing what could be causing inflammation in your body. Mm-hmm. And you you eliminate things and then reintroduce them slowly. Now, you mentioned that you have seen nutritionists in the Pacific Northwest area. Yes. What was it like finding one in L.A.? I started seeing a nutritionist in L.A. starting in September, so during the pandemic. And I really like her. She definitely fits into the same category of kind of living a hippie life. Like, I feel like Mm -hmm. she could walk on the streets of Portland and fit right in. But what I appreciate about her more is that she's actually more down to earth than a lot of the Pacific Northwest nutritionists that I had talked to. She listens to me and she definitely understands my sense of humor and takes what I say. She and I have an understanding. Like, we, like I feel like a lot of times when I would tell nutritionists in the Pacific Northwest, I've done the gluten-free thing. And it didn't help me that much. And then they would kind of try to correct me, tell me, well, no, it probably helped you in ways that you just didn't know. And that just feels really asinine to me. You're not even listening to me. Like, I'm your patient or I'm your client, however it works. And you're not actually taking what I'm saying and contributing to what I actually 
need in my life. So, and she revealed to me that she used to eat a lot of really processed foods and was right around my age when she finally made a big change. So that actually kind of surprised me because you, when you see these people and you see how healthy they are and like the natural life they're living, you're just kind of like, oh, yeah, that's probably just how they've always been. So I appreciated her sharing that with me because I definitely have not made the best health choices throughout my life when I was younger. I was severely underweight. And so the goal was just to get me to gain weight. Like they didn't care how, like I just had to gain weight. So I didn't learn super healthy habits. Like my mom was very intent on making sure I always had fresh fruits and vegetables. So I was very privileged that way. Um, And I was taking care of there. But I, you know, I just wanted McDonald's back then. And I've slowly tried to get better as I've gained weight, as I've gotten older, as I've been on different medications. And finally, I just had to admit that I my weight is at a point where I'm not comfortable moving in my body. I can't do the things that I used to be able to do. And I know that I need to actively try to lose weight in a safe way. When my doctor recommended this nutritionist, I was really hoping that she would be down to earth. And I'm really glad and really, really happy that she is as down to earth as she is. And I think I could be projecting because of all the health professionals I've had to see in Los Angeles, but I feel like whenever my health professional realizes they can have a reasonable conversation with me, (laughs) that they're always a little bit relieved because I feel like there's so many people in Los Angeles following what their Facebook friends say, whether it's like anti-vaxxers versus, you know, essential oils versus like all of these kinds of things where like, well, no, I need to do this, but not do that. And so she's given me a lot of really good encouragement and a lot of really good support and helped me kind of isolate and celebrate the successes when I have like fallen on some weeks when we end up ordering more takeout than I want to. We're at least ordering takeout that is still like not trashing our bodies. You know, I've completely cut out soda or pop for my Northwest lovies. Um, And Dr. Pepper was like really a huge vice for me. And I honestly didn't think I'd be able to completely get rid of it because I can't drink alcohol. So it was like my like, well, I get to have soda still. Like that's my thing. Haven't had it for a couple months now and I actually don't miss it. And that's really nice. The addictive part of my brain does. It misses how it used to make me feel. But yeah, so I've had a really good experience with a nutritionist here, but I know that that's out of range financially for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And I actually... I don't have a follow-up appointment scheduled with her because our deductible started over. It's January. So I'm going to have to wait until we have a little more money before I can see her again. Yeah. Even even when you have the resources, you can't always use them. And is that something that can be covered by many health insurances? Is it common for that to be covered? So sometimes it depends. I have a PPO, which means that I'm not restricted to one set of doctors or one um, hospital or whatever insurance company, like Kaiser is an HMO. Like if you have Kaiser, you have to go to Kaiser doctors in order to be covered. But with my PPO, I can go wherever I want, but they won't necessarily cover as much um, if they're not in network. What's nice is that this nutritionist works directly with my primary care physician, So she recommended um, her to me. So I think that helps when you can have like a doctor's referral to a nutritionist. But yeah, it's still it's still just really expensive. Like, I don't think I would be doing as well 
as I am right now if I was if it wasn't a pandemic. Like I think this was actually a really good time for me, which may be a good time for you. It may be a good time for you if you're also like stuck at home and have the energy and the ability and the time to start cooking more and experimenting with different things. Outside of it, if I was on the go, like, of course, I would fall into drive through habits again. But have you ever seen a nutritionist before, Natalia? I've never seen a nutritionist in my entire life. I have no idea what they're like. You eat really healthfully. You know, from what you've told me, you you make a, a huge effort to cook like what you're eating a lot and like to get fresh produce. And I know you've had experience with, is it Imperfect Foods? Yeah. And actually, I would, I would love to um, introduce another topic that we can, (laughs) that we can speak about. So there's, there's a big culture of food delivery in Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, The, the grocery food delivery has grown a lot during the pandemic, but there's also a huge culture of meal delivery as well. And Mm -hmm. like you said, I get um, imperfect foods. I get a box delivered to me once a week. And I get to customize it every week. It's not just produce. There's also um, meats and all kinds of other things, grains. And everything that's in the box was either surplus or there was something slightly wrong with it, like cosmetic or the quinoa Mm -hmm. uh, is – they call it not quite tricolor quinoa because – the colors were not perfectly balanced to be sold as tricolor quinoa, things like that. But it's slightly cheaper than grocery store prices, but also eliminates food waste. And so yeah, that's awesome. It's kind of good for the environment, but also you get your groceries delivered and everything also is very, very high quality. Like a lot of Mm -hmm. the products were intended to be used at restaurants, but the restaurants weren't able to take the items because they were off spec. But some of mm-hmm. it was originally for restaurants. Um, the popcorn that I have was originally for movie theaters. But, you oh. know, movie theaters aren't open. And it's really neat. When you choose your groceries, it gives you the reason why that food is available on Imperfect Foods. And they keep a tally of how much food waste you have eliminated uh, oh, during cool. the entire time. And it's cool. They deliver it to your door. It's all packed in a box. They even have kombucha which I enjoy. You brought me kombucha on my birthday from them and it was really delicious. I yeah, enjoyed it a lot. The kombucha that they usually have is really, really good. And it's particularly unique to LA because every branch of Imperfect Foods is different. They have different suppliers, different things available because it's all meant mm-hmm. to be very, very local. And so you can't find it all over the country. That's great. I give the Los Angeles branch of Imperfect Foods my seal of approval I don't know how it is in other markets. Honorary Angelinos in training, seal of approval mm-hmm. to Imperfect Foods. Yeah. I've been tempted to try them. Have you compared like your grocery bill versus Perfect Foods, how much money you're saving or? They actually give you a comparison on their websites for what the going market price is for the item. And they claim mm-hmm. like you've saved this much money. One thing I always try to keep in mind is that a lot of the time it's a premium product. It's not like the same quality of chicken that I would get at, say, Smart and Final. It's a better quality. And so sometimes that can translate to it being a little bit more expensive. Most of the time it is cheaper, though. But I do encourage anyone using that service, 
look at the size of the items that you're ordering because mm-hmm. sometimes they can be surprising. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like way smaller or way bigger than you thought. Yeah. So that's okay. just a thing to consider because it's stuff that's off spec. Like I've gotten the biggest cucumber I've seen in my life. <laughs> just <laughs> stuff like that. Like that's a funny. cucumber that was like almost two feet long. Wow. That is a really big cucumber. So just consider that you're going to get some freaks. Like I got a (laughs) carrot once that had like four arms. Aw, but they're just so sweet that way. Another food delivery culture that's pretty common in Los Angeles, though, I don't know, to some it might be a little bit more negative, is there's a huge, huge culture of um, meal delivery services, like nutrition Mm -hmm. delivery services. Mm-hmm. used in the entertainment industry, especially for actors that are doing yeah. any kind of movie that requires like a specific physique. That's really, really big. Chris Pratt has made a joke about it on Instagram where he will like, he had a series in his Instagram stories that was like, what's my snack? Whenever he was filming like the Jurassic World things where he had to stay very, very fit. And it would be these like seaweed compressed disc cake thing and like Mm -hmm. he would kind of make light of it to be like look you know i'm i i have this body because i'm working really hard for it and i'm not eating anything fun (laughs) yeah was kind of the impression that i got from him doing that but yeah that is really popular here yeah in jenna fisher's book she goes into detail about when she was um cast in walk hard the dewey cox story She was deemed not fit enough for the role. And so they had her work out with a trainer and do a meal delivery service. And she tells a story in the book about how about halfway through filming, she just gave up one one day. She was like, and she ordered a hamburger and a glass of wine from her hotel. And the next day she couldn't fit into her costume. (gasps) Oh. Which is actually kind of bad because that puts the wardrobe department in a really bad place. Yeah. Yeah. But I just feel like it couldn't be that one hamburger. She could have been more bloated from the hamburger, you know, and the wine and everything too, which I get it, but I get frustrated when it I don't know. It's a comedy. Like what I get mm-hmm. I ugh. When I saw the movie I was like she did not need to be that fit for that role. That's what I thought. No. Cuz that was one of the main reasons I watched the movie. <laughs> was because I I'd, I'd read I'd read about all those stories and I was like I got to see this and I watched it and I was like she did not need to go to all that effort for that role. It's and I yeah, I think that's frustrating because like if you're hiring a comedian, like you're not hiring them to be the bombshell, whatever. Like I get ugh, I just get frustrated with executives. That's all. Yeah, but that's the thing is for anyone who's considering moving to Los Angeles to pursue the entertainment industry, it's just worth it to know that that's a thing that happens. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's it's not necessarily cheap and depending on like i'm sure there was some sort of deal i don't actually know who knows if maybe she had to pay for it all out of pocket Mm -hmm. you know like or her agency like maybe it was included with her contract or who knows like exactly how that all works yeah leo and i for a little while trying to eat healthier we did a meal prep service thing where it was just like we got shipped frozen meals i can't remember the name of it but they were all keto friendly Mm -hmm. and that made me frustrated because you Usually what I run into, if something doesn't have dairy or something doesn't have 
gluten or if it doesn't have like certain things that kind of add flavor and sugar what they'll do to add flavor is add a lot of spices and i absolutely can't tolerate spices like i can tolerate dairy way more than i can tolerate spices Mm -hmm. you know and a lot of things so it's it's hard when you feel like you're left out of the healthy trend because you still have to include other things in it too and i feel like it can get kind of lonely like in certain friend groups if everybody's wanting to do this one diet thing or only want to eat at these restaurants because whether it's trendy, whether it's trendy because of the the food they serve or someone ate there and they say it's healthy, mm-hmm. you know, it could feel, you probably feel like you have to fit in with what everybody's eating in order mm-hmm. to fit in with your group. And I think you can fall into that in LA a lot. Yeah, I can definitely see that. As we get closer to wrapping up, Kelsey, Why don't you tell me some things that uh, you wish you knew about nutrition in L.A. when you first moved here? One thing that I wish I had known was that it wasn't necessarily going to be framed around the Kardashian flat tummy tea thing. A lot of it was going to be framed around like morals and what's best for your body Mm -hmm. so that there could be it was a whole new way of shaming women, I felt specifically that I hadn't, I wasn't prepared for when I came here. Mm-hmm. When celebrities, especially the goop culture mm-hmm. that Gwyneth Paltrow is behind, where there's a lot of nutrition and very suspect health recommendations by not accredited people mm-hmm. targeted at women. So I think a big point of it is just. Because women also haven't had access to as much health and not women haven't been studied for the same way that men have. A lot of times we feel like we have to take our own health in our own hands, but they're not necessarily qualified hands. Mm -hmm. So I would say specifically for women who are looking into moving to Los Angeles, particularly people getting in the entertainment industry, just understand that nobody has the right to shame you for what you're eating You just need to make sure that what you're doing is something that a, like, actual medical professional can help you with. If you are confused, Mm -hmm. if you are looking to change your diet, eat more healthfully, eat more nutritious foods, consult a professional. Do not consult your friends necessarily. Mm -hmm. I don't care if they've lost weight doing drastic things. Like, just talk to people who know what they're talking about. What about you? Like, what's something that you wish you would have known about L.A. nutrition culture? I don't think this necessarily just has to do with LA, but I'd say, and I'll I'll steal yoga with Adrian's (laughs) tagline thing. Find what feels good. Yeah. Like I I know that in the past I've I've like eaten junk food as a coping mechanism. That doesn't feel good. Mm -mm. But um, you know, being being really hard on myself about my body, that doesn't feel good either. So yeah, I'd say stop worrying about everybody else and just focus on yourself. Yeah. Because food's a personal choice. It's really personal and it can be really difficult to navigate, particularly in different phases in your life, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's age or moving to a new city. I think it is important. I think that's really smart to say. It's a balance. I also know for myself I kind of considered food an expense that I could skimp on for a long time. Like I tried to buy Mm. what was cheap for a really, really long time. And I started feeling a lot better about eating when I started spending more 
on food. And granted, I had the means to do that. Not everybody does. Yeah. When I started buying what I actually wanted to eat, that meant that I overate less when I had access to the stuff that I wanted. That's true. Having like healthier foods mm-hmm. in your house, that definitely makes sense. That's a good tip Yeah. to have. I'm glad that you joined us today to learn about nutrition in Los Angeles. And for everyone that has been listening so far, we're so grateful. If you can rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, that would really help us get on the map a lot more of podcasts that people can find so we can have even more people you know, listening. And I want to say thank you to Darby S. for the review, who said that this was such a great resource and that anyone who's ever moved to a new city can appreciate this podcast, but especially if you've moved to or thinking of moving to LA. So thank you so much, Darby, for that compliment. We appreciate your review. And if you leave us a review, we'll give you a shout out too. So real quick before we go, uh, we do want to do a quick update to our Disneyland-related episodes because Disneyland has been in the news lately. Uh, It's currently uh, the 14th of January, and uh, Disneyland has made a huge announcement that affects a lot of people in Southern California. Kelsey, you want to tell us about it? Yes. Right before Natalia and I started recording, I um, got some messages from my best friends down in Orange County who are all pass holders. And it's been announced that Disneyland is getting rid of the annual passport. So I can't remember exactly when it's going to be gone for good, but I feel like I think the end of March, it's getting completely eliminated, which is really sad because I was just able to become an annual passport holder. But the reason they're they're doing it is a good reason. They're trying to thin out the crowds. They don't want a mass of people entering the parks, which would be unsafe during a Mm -hmm. pandemic. So when they eventually are allowed to start a slow open again of the parks, they're going to have to really intensely limit their capacity. So I, I appreciate that they're doing it this for this reason, but just for the sake of being a pass holder, it's just really sad. It's a program they've had for 40 years. They said that they're going to introduce some sort of membership for their most loyal fans. Or I can't remember exactly how they phrased it, mm-hmm. but my friends and I are a little worried that it's going to be financially out of reach. Like it could turn into a Club 33 uh. type of situation. And it's like we couldn't. We couldn't afford to go to Disneyland to pay out of pocket every single time. Like, this is what made Disneyland accessible to us was being pass holders. And even then, it was pretty damn expensive. So, yeah, big news, big news shaking the Disney fans. Big news. So we'll we'll wait and see what happens. It's a big update. We may have to report back and see. Yeah, we'll see what the big cheese decides. (laughs) Wah, wah. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you so much. We'll see you later. Just a reminder, the content of this podcast is based on our own opinions and personal experiences and may not reflect the opinions and experiences of all Angelinos. Music by Leo Jackson. Artwork by Trevor D. Richardson. Edited by Kelsey Ryder and additional research by me, Natalia Raymond. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Angelinos in Training and on Twitter at Angelinos Pod. Want us to cover a specific topic about LA? 
email us at angelinosintraining at gmail.com.